This series that we're in, the Daniel plan, I'm already hearing from so many people. One man told me, he says, I really hate to admit it, but I'm enjoying it. And I said, why do you hate to admit it? He says, because at first I said I wasn't going to do it. And, and he said, my wife said that wasn't the right attitude. And then another brother said to me, he goes, I know this is psychological, but I'm already feeling more energetic. It hasn't had time to kick in yet. I don't know about that. I think God honors steps of faith that are taken, and when we make the right steps, we get a taste of what can happen when we're good stewards. And so, as you know, we've been on the Daniel plan, and I've had people calling me from out of state and other pastors asking me about how it's going, and I said, ask me after it's over with, but I know Becky has had us on the 10-day detox. I was a little bit nervous about that. Folks, this is the longest in my life I've ever went without fried chicken. This is the longest in my life I've ever gone that way. But the only thing I'm really, really missing is my nighttime popcorn that we're having. But it is true, it is absolutely true, there's something that's exciting to think about the lives that we live in, these bodies, that's absolutely a part of our discipleship and our stewardship as we serve the Lord together. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I have just asked the Lord to help you to listen, because I've preached on this before, but I've never preached on it in the way that we're going to talk about it today. And that's the spiritual dimension of setting goals and why with the Daniel plan, it's so important to set goals. So I think you need to ask yourself this question, why do I need to set goals? Because I know for some of you, when you hear the word goal setting, you want to scream. I know for some of you, when you hear the word goal setting, you want to go the other way. If you come into your office or you meet with your, your plant or you meet with your class or anybody where they tell you, we've got to set some goals, some of you inside, it's something in you just dies. You do it because you have to do it. And you're the kind of folks you love to solve problems. If somebody presents you with a problem, you like to grab hold of that problem. You like to solve that problem. You like to go through the details of working through that problem. And some of you are nodding at me even as I'm talking about it. And, and I just want to say this to you. Don't stress because we need problem solvers. Goal setters need problem solvers, and problem solvers need goal setters. Can we say amen to that? And so some of you, just it's just naturally the way that God has gifted you. You are a problem solver. You're like one of the pastors that we had in the Georgia district when I was pastoring down there. I remember our district superintendent referred to him as the problem solver for churches. He would send him to a church for a couple of years to work through some problems they were having. And really, the pastor told me, he says, I'm really not the problem solver, I'm the problem shooter. And so you're probably that type of person. You see the problem, you shoot it. But some of us, when you say goals, we start envisioning the future. Some of us, we look maybe three or six months down the road. Some of us, we're looking decades down the road, and we're trying to move somewhere. So all of us, the problem solvers and the goal setters, need to hear what God's Word has to say about this. The first thing I'd like you to see is that goal setting is a spiritual discipline. And we talk about spiritual disciplines around here a lot. We have an entire class on the spiritual disciplines. You see, when you think about the spiritual discipline of goal setting, 
Goal settings affect every area of your life. We're looking at food. We're looking at fitness. We're looking at friends. We're looking at faith. We're looking at focus. And so when you think about your body, if you're going to be a good steward of the health that God has given you, some of us appreciate our health more than others. Some of us think about our health more than others. But we're saying, God, I want to give you back my body. And we're also, when we're talking about our health, it can be an act of discipleship because we're learning, as Paul said, we're learning how to train our bodies. We're learning how to discipline our bodies. If you remember the old King James Version, it used to be one of my favorite verses in Bible college where Paul says, I buffet my body, and a group of us guys in college would say, I buffet my body because we love those all-you-could-eat buffets. But it's a discipleship issue as well. But it can be an issue of fellowship because a lot of you are in small groups and you're doing this together and you're encouraging one another in your small groups. You're, you're, you're meeting together. You're praying over these principles. But it can also be an act of worship because what you're doing in worship, you're saying, Lord, you gave me this one life. You gave me this one body and I want to use it for your glory and for your honor. Now, in stewardship, financial stewardship, we've taught you there's three things you can do with money. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. And the same thing is true of your health. You can spend your health, you can waste your health, or you can invest your health for how you want to serve God. And what I have noticed through the years, and I watched it happen through Daniel plan is we got this off the ground. There were some people, you were ready to make things happen. You were just ready to dig in and go. There were others of you, you were watching to see what everybody else was going to do, and then you decided to become a part of it. And then there's some of you, you're still going, well, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> And then there's some of you, you were critical when we first started. You're like my, my dear brother here in the church has said to me, he says, to be honest with you, I didn't want to do it. I thought it was foolish. I thought we came to church to talk about Jesus. And we are talking about Jesus. Jesus gave us these bodies and how we use these bodies. So I want to be a part of the crowd. I do. I want to be a part of the crowd that makes things happen. I want to be a part of the crowd in our community that makes good things happen. I want to be a part of the crowd in our church that makes things happen. I don't want to sit around waiting on somebody else to set the agenda. They might have an agenda that is contrary to what God wants for our community or what God wants for our lives or what God wants for my children's lives. If we don't take responsibility for setting direction and setting the sails in our families' lives, in our marriages, in our communities, somebody else will be more than happy to do it for you, for your children, for your community, for your family. God has called us to occupy till he comes. And everybody that understands that, say, amen this morning. He wants us to be those kind of people in our life. Now, look at this passage of Scripture with me this morning, if you would. The Bible says that God planned to bring all of history to its goal in Christ. Underline that this morning. God planned. God plans. God is a planning God. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for your marriage. God has a plan for our church. God has a plan for our community. God has a plan for all of history, and that is that he's going to bring everything together to the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says this and the rest of that verse, his plan is that Christ would be the head of everything in heaven on earth. 
In other words, there is coming a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess to the glory and the honor of the Father that Christ is Lord. So when I look at this verse of Scripture and I apply this verse of Scripture to my life, if I'm created in the image of God and you're created in the image of God and as the church, we're the body of Christ and if we're a part of a community, then you and I need to be setting some goals in our life regardless of whether we're a problem solver or not. Hopefully, maybe, in your marriage, one of you is the goal setter, one of you is the problem solver. But you know in that marriage, if you're the problem solver, you don't want the goal setter just setting all the goals and saying, now you meet my goals. We want to sit down and talk about them and pray about them together. But if you say, like some people said, I'm just going to go with the flow, friends, that's naive. Because those that go with the flow are dead fish. You know, you see all the dead flesh floating, floating downstream, but you see those that have a mission and a purpose in life, they go against the flow. And if you're going to be a passionate follower of Christ in this generation, you are going to swim against the flow of the culture. But the flow of the culture is dying. Only those who are in Christ are really living the true life that God gives. And when we do that, we bring lives to, we bring life to others. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? My eighth grade history teacher, Mrs. Jones, she made history fascinating. She was, she was a powerhouse. She was a ball of energy. She was about five foot one, maybe five two, about the height and size of my wife. But I can remember people signed up early to get to take her class on history because she went back and forth across the class. She never stopped. She made history come alive. But one day she started on the left-hand side of the classroom and she walked all the way across. And I went to an all-boys school. She went all the way across to the other side of the classroom and she says, gentlemen, history is linear. We're going somewhere. There is a purpose to history. This wasn't a Christian high school, but she taught us that in linear history, you looked at the past and you learned from the past. You took what was valuable from the past to help you go into the future, but you also learned from the mistakes of the past. People who just go with the flow of life, Mrs. Jones said to us, we're going to end up creating, having the same mistakes and bringing pain to others. And so as I said to some hippie friends of mine down in South America years ago when we were working there, Becky and I were working there, I went to a community of hippies that had moved there in the 70s, and now none of them could afford to get home. Their health was broken. Drugs had broken them. Their, their, their sense of wanting to get in touch with the other world, all of that was collapsing on them. And I remember one of them just kind of being kind of sarcastic with me as I talked to them about faith, and some of them were listening, and he just went right back to spewing the things from the 70s, and, and, and this kind of became just really relevant to me with the Jesus Revolution movie coming out. I remember asking him, how's it working for you and those you're leading? And here they were, unable to get home, and in parts of South America, trust me, there is no compassion. You survive or you don't survive. They don't care for the children. They don't care for others. And people profit off of you. And immediately that guy got quiet. Because when I confronted him, how's it really working out for you? 
the lie that he believed in the 70s that took him in this commune was no longer working. You see, goal setting is a spiritual discipline. Secondly, goals focus my energy. Goals focus my energy. And my energy needs to be focused in a certain area. My life needs to be focused in a certain area. There are five purposes in my life that I live for every day. I define them as the five Ps. I've told you over and over, but let me tell you again, for those of you who may not have heard it, as a, as, as a person, as a man who wants to serve God and love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, as a partner, as Becky's husband, as a parent to our four children and our four grandchildren, as, as a pastor, my ministry here to you and to our community, and then finally as a pilgrim, my witness and sharing faith with others in Christ. And so I have chosen to focus my energy upon those five things. Light, when it is focused, has tremendous amount of power. But light, when it's diffused, doesn't have the power that it could have. Water, when it is channeled and focused, it has tremendous amount of power to power a building or to power a city, to create a hydroelectric dam. When the water is not channeled and it's just kind of can go anywhere, it creates swamps and floods and brings disaster. All of you have a certain amount of energy in your life. Some of the people that you know, maybe some of your family members, they're just kind of running in circles in life. Some of the folks that you love and you care about, their lives are no different today than they were 20 years ago or 10 years ago because they haven't focused their lives. And what goals do is they bring our lives into focus. What has God called me to do? Look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26. So I do not run without a goal. What's Paul saying? I have a goal for my life. Well, you mean Paul didn't just get a download every day from the Holy Spirit? He talked to the Holy Spirit every day. He prayed every day. But there were a lot of times that Paul found himself just like you and me, praying and seeking, what is your will, God? What would you have me to do today? But Paul had an overarching goal in his life. If you want to know what that goal was, he says, my goal, my ambition is to preach Christ where he has not been preached. That's what he wanted to do. His power for doing that came from his relationship with Christ, and he said, by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And he centered that in his boast in the cross, for he said, I will boast about nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. How many of you know Paul had a focused life? And so he could say, and it was left written for you and I as the word of God, I do not fight, I fight like a boxer who is hitting something and not just the air. In other words, Paul's not running in circles, he's hitting his goals. Now, when I counsel with people and talk with people, sometimes they're leaders, sometimes they're people in our congregation, sometimes they're people in our community who want to sit down and talk with me. I hear the same thing over and over. I can never get around to what's really important in my life and what's important in our lives. And most of the times when people come to talk to me, what's important in their life is their relationship with God. It's a relationship in their marriage. It's a relationship with their children. It's whatever God has called them to do. It's maybe their, some focus of their career or some focus of their job. So we get to talking about it, and I say, why aren't you accomplishing that? Why aren't you getting those goals in your life? And they say, Pastor, there's always something coming up. Always something coming up. So I tell them about a story when God was healing me, and I wanted to help my dad, and my dad sent me to the barn to get something. 
all my way to the barn, I saw something that needed doing. I thought it would make my daddy very proud if I just went ahead and did that. I got it done. I got it wrapped back up. I got it put back up. And then on my way to the barn again, I saw something else that needed doing. So I stopped and I did that. I got to the barn. I got what he wanted. And I came back to my dad. My dad's hands was on his hips like this. And he says, fella, what took you so long? Well, I proudly told him what I had done. He said, that is not what I asked you to do. I asked you to go to this barn, get this plow sweep for me, and bring it to me. I've been waiting on you. I'm glad that you saw what needed to be done, but stay focused on the task. Leadership teaching would tell you, stay focused on what's important and don't let the urgent keep you from what's important. The urgent keeps us from our time alone with God. The urgent keeps us from time alone with our wives. The urgent keeps us alone, keeps us away from our children because other little things come up that are not important, but they demand our time to do them now. Life is short, and one day you and I are going to stand before the Lord, and we don't want to have boxed hitting the air. We want to win this fight for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. Well, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's how it works. So at the end of the day, I don't want to say where did time go. At the end of the day, I don't want to say the urgent forced out the important. I want to do what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Would you read that verse with me? Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, let's really emphasize the word most, and let's read it again. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, let's emphasize the word opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, let's emphasize the word evil. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. You see, when you begin to think through and meditate through, that's what you were just doing was meditation. When you begin to meditate upon this and emphasize each word, because not one word of God's word will fall to the ground void. It will not fall to the ground impotent. It will accomplish what God meant it to accomplish in our life. Suddenly we see we were not born accidentally for this time. We are not some chance in this time. God has put us here and presents us every day with opportunities to fulfill his goodwill, his plan in our lives. And like the Apostle Paul, he gives us a purpose, he gives us a power, and he gives us a place to boast about in Jesus Christ. Let's give him one more hand of praise today. Would you do that? Hallelujah. So understand the difference between production and reproduction. Understand the difference between activities and achievements, and understand the difference between pressures and priority. I want my life I want my family, I want my grandchildren, I want our church, I want us to be the kind of people that we influence others to follow Jesus Christ and themselves become passionate followers of Christ. And we do that because goals are spiritual and they're focused, but goals also stretch our faith. Goals also stretch our faith. We have in our church what we call our statement of faith. It's our statement of faith of what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about Jesus Christ, what we believe about salvation, what we believe about just so many things that what the Bible says, it's a statement of faith. 
I'm for those that statement of faith. I'm willing to go to the wall for that. Put the blindfold on me and the cigarette in my lips and pull the trigger. I'm willing to go to the wall for that statement of faith because I believe it's God's word. It's, it's biblical. But goals are also a statement of faith. I could show you my goals this year, and I'm happy to do that if you wanted to see them. They're color-coded according to those five purposes in my life. I start working in those every year in October for Becky and I as we sit down and we talk together. And by this time, they have become statements of faith that we live by. A dream is good. I did a whole series on dreams a number of years ago. And one of the things that I did was I played, a, a, at that time, a cassette tape. There wasn't a video available of it, but a cassette tape of a teacher whose dream and, and how their dream had made a difference. But the teacher said in that cassette tape years ago when I played this for the church, he said, every dream you have to wake up from and go to work on every day because dreams just don't come true. You have to work upon them. I don't want to have died with a dream in my heart that's unfulfilled. I've seen what God does when dreams happen. I've seen what God does when dreams are fulfilled. I still have dreams that are not fulfilled yet. I still have dreams that I'm working and striving for, for our community and for our church, for myself and our lives. But I know what it's like to set a dream goal by faith and say, God, this is not going to happen unless you are in it. This is not going to happen in our marriage. This is going to be happening with our stewardship. This is not going to be happening with our children unless you are in this goal. So you say, Pastor, how do you set a goal by faith? There are two words I look at, risky, risky, and relevant. And by risky and relevant, what I'm saying, is it relevant to the time and the season of life that I'm living in right now? Is it risky? Once I put this goal out there and I share it with Becky and I share it with others that are praying with me, is it something that I've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit? I want it to be doable by faith, but not delusional, you know? If I was to say to you, I'm going to swim across the Pacific Ocean because I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthened me, you'd go, Pastor, you're delusional. If I was going to say to you, I'm going to swim across the Detroit River, you'd say, Pastor, you're delusional. But if I was to say to you, I'm going to swim a mile this year, you'd go, that's risky. And you'd say, you've got to start working on that right away if you're going to make that happen. You see, but it also has to be relevant. It's relevant for me to say I'm going to swim a mile this year. That's absolutely relevant. It's relevant if you're 80 years old that you could swim a mile. You've just got to take the time to practice and work on it every day. So I use that as a, as a metric. Is it risky? Is it relevant? But the key to this is my faith needs to be the size of my goal. In other words, the Bible says, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. I just don't go out and say, I'm going to do this by faith, but my faith goals are relevant, and I go to work on them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 that everything that does not come from faith is sin. So how much stuff are we doing that's not coming out of a faith in God, that's not coming out of a faith to please God. 
what are you and I occupying ourselves with that God says, and the word sin means to miss the mark? What is it that's urgent that's causing us to miss the mark? What is it that's urgent that's causing us to miss the goal? What is it that we're doing that the Bible says has got our eyes off of that pursuit of Christ and His glory? Have faith in God and set your goals. And then fourthly, goals build my character. You see, this is God's whole reason for allowing the challenges for allowing the hardship, for allowing the things that come into our life, is God is building our character. Years ago, someone gave me a book by Vince Lombardi, and they wrote me an entire letter. I have it. It's a book I would never give away from a very dear friend. But he, he some sort of adhesive, he put the letter in the front of the book. He said, Dennis, let this be a challenge to you. Let this be a challenge into your ministry. Never fear the hardships. Never fear the failures. Never fear defeat. But go out, and if you drag it all off the field and you feel all beat up, get back up next Sunday morning and do it all over again. And I remember just reading that letter, and the letter means more to me than anything Vince Lombardi wrote in the book. I still go back and pull it out sometimes. But what I've discovered is the challenges that we face in achieving goals, they build character. We're not perfect, but we are progressing in our faith. Even the Apostle Paul said this. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I do not claim that I've already succeeded or have already become perfect. In other words, he's progressing, but he's not perfect. He said, but I keep striving towards the goal when you think of that word strife, what do you think? I'm fighting, I'm pressing, I'm expending a lot of energy, I'm giving it all I've got. That's why we say passionate followers of Christ around here. He says, I keep striving toward the goal for which Christ Jesus has already won me to himself. Stop and think about the context of that. Was it easy for Christ to win you? No. We're getting ready for that time of the year when we will celebrate the passion of our Lord. The cross wasn't easy. Becoming a human being wasn't easy. Growing up the way Jesus did wasn't easy. Jesus' life was well, not an easy life, but Jesus strove to save you and me from our sins. He gave it his all. He laid it all down on the cross where he became sin for us, and he exchanged his righteousness for the guilt of our sin, and our guilt is gone. How could we give God any less than to say, Lord, I am going to strive towards the goal of what you've called me to be. This is what is being said to us in this verse. So we don't just read over it and go, oh, I'm not perfect, but we keep striving for those goals. He wants you to learn. He wants me to learn how to respond to everything the way Jesus did. In other words, Dennis, I want you to learn how to respond to your critics the way I responded to my critics. Jesus, Dennis, I want you to learn to respond to your enemies the way I responded to my enemies. I want you to learn to respond to the devil the way I responded to the devil. You see, most of us spend our lives reacting. Somebody says something we don't like, we fire off. Somebody does something we don't like, we want to fight. And maybe if we come up against a spiritual power, we want to run. But Jesus instead, while he's fasting those 40 days, he quotes the word of the Lord and the devil can't do anything about it. That's why God allows challenges in our life 
to build character to us so that we will become more like Jesus. Look at Ephesians 4.13. And before I read it, how many of you would really like to be more like Jesus? Can I see your hand? I think it's unanimous in here. Well, Bill, you didn't raise your hand. Do you want to be like, okay, Bill, get it up there. Don't do that again, Bill. <laughs> then we will be mature just as Christ is, and we will be completely like him. Isn't that a worthwhile goal? It won't be this side of heaven, but as we keep striving, that's what's going to happen. And then fifthly, goals give me hope. Goals give me hope. The Bible says in Job 6.11, when Job was just, just about done in, he said, I don't have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. Let's read that together. I don't have the strength. Come on, read it with me. I don't have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. When it comes to health, when it comes to your faith, your focus, your friends, your family, the food you eat, if you don't have a goal, you'll find yourself, like another man said to me this week, I'm afraid that I'll fall back into my old habits. And whatever it takes, you don't want to fall back into those old habits. Some of you have done diet plans, and after the diet was over and you've lost weight, you went right back to the old habits. Am I right? Some of you, like me, you've given up, you've had to give up coffee for a health reason, except for maybe two or three cups a day, and you find yourself, I, I don't know, you're not kind, you're not kind, you're not kind. And I find myself during the afternoon going, oh, I don't have a headache, I'm not, but I'm like, I really want a cup of coffee. And so I finally got on my knees the other day and I said, Lord, I have to confess something. I'm mentally addicted to coffee. <laughs> I want one. But I keep hearing the doctors say, you've got to stay off of that if you want good health. You see, having a goal gives you hope. Having a goal gives you something to shoot for. I, I can't express this enough without going back into my own personal story again. Having a goal, I know what it means to have a goal, I'm going to get out of the bed and walk down the hall and back. That doesn't sound very much. That doesn't sound like a big goal. But in my case, walking down that hall and back, walking around that floor and back, and around that floor and around that floor brought me home to walk one block and back home carrying an ivy pole. I don't care what other people think about my goals. Your job is not to judge my goals. My job is not to judge your goals. But set a goal that is risky and relevant. And what may be small to you may be ginormous for somebody else. But as you accomplish each goal, it gives you hope to go to the next step. I do not have a goal that encourages me. You see, your goal needs to be encouraging. That's why I say don't set goals out of guilt. That's why I said to some of you in here this morning, you're maybe not a goal setter by nature. You're a problem solver by nature. If we talk about solving problems, you're right there at the table. The goal setters will be over here at this table. 
But I'm asking you, even if you're a problem solver, have some small, achievable, but risky and relevant goals in your life because keeping that goal ahead of you will encourage you. See, Pastor, how often do you look at your goals? I look at my goals every single morning of my life. Pastor, how do you keep them in front of you? Every day I am working on one of those relevant goals in my life. This goes right at the top of my agenda for the day. And then there's other goals that come under there. But there are three top goals I have to get accomplished. But one of them affects every, that, those ten goals that I set for myself every year. And making steps, that's what I was referring to when you heard me say last week, celebrate. So all along the way, I'm celebrating small wins. And at the end of the year, we celebrate a big win. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, remember, God has a plan for you. When a football coach wants to win a championship, there are the two-a-days in the summer. There's the workouts. There's the hard work. It's difficult. It's tough. Maybe you just don't think you're loved or cared for. Maybe you don't think it, it really matters. But the coach has a plan. And Jesus has a plan for your life that what you're going through is to encourage you and to make you more than an overcomer. Let me give you the growth work real quickly, and then we're going to pray and go home today. What kind of goal does God bless? God blesses a goal that glorifies him. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.9 with me. So we make it a goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Number two, God blesses goals that are motivated by love. 1 Corinthians 16.14 says, do everything with love. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Don't let that pass you by. You live in a body that God gave himself for. Christ became one of us. It's not all about Bible study and prayer and being on our knees and then feasting. Whenever we have a feast and praise event at Woodland, everybody shows up. Whenever we have a fasting and praying event, only the few show up. Let us be the kind of people that understand our lives and our bodies are gifts to us from God. And let us encourage each other. For in 1 John 4.12, the Bible says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Where does God live today? He lives in my heart. He lives in this body. He lives in your body, and together we make up the body of Christ. And then Paul would say this, and this verse of Scripture is with all of my goals. Let love be your highest goal. Would you read that with me? Let love be your highest goal. Come on, say it again. Let love be your highest goal. So when you're talking to your kids, is love your highest goal? When you're encouraging your spouse, is love your highest goal? 
when you go to work, is love your highest goal? You see, when that overshadows everything else, you have a goal that pleases the Lord. And then godly goals fulfill one of God's purposes for my life. You can read these verses later because I'm out of time. But God blesses goals that are set in faith. Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 6 with me this morning. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let that sink into you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Say it with me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What are you doing by faith today? What are you doing that is risky, that's relevant? Last week, we talked about measurements, important measurements we need in our life. But this week, we need to talk about risky and relevant. What are you doing that's by faith? Because if it's a faith goal, you can't achieve it without God's power. You see, godly goals are only achieved with God's power. Proverbs 16 and verse 9 we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. I was talking to a friend of mine this week. Becky and I have an awful, awful lot going on in our lives right now. And there's a goal that I'm needing to work on that's on down the road. And because there's so much happening right now in our lives, I got down on my knees the other day and I said, Lord, I would really, really appreciate it if you would just do a download in my spirit. Do any of you remember The Matrix? Oh, come on. I know some of you watch. If you watch The Matrix, hold up your hand. You remember how they back up and they do a download and they could fly a jet or a helicopter. They do a download and they instantly knew how to do karate. How many of you remember that? Now, the Holy Ghost is convicting you is what's happening. <laughs> And I was like, Lord, if you could just do a download in my spirit, I will do whatever you download. And this passage of Scripture just, boom, came right to my mind. We plan the way, God, we want to live. It's like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Dennis, to you belongs the plan. To me belongs the determination of how it's all going to come out. God doesn't want you lazy spiritually, mentally, physically or emotionally, but we have to set godly goals for our health as well. Would you stand with me? The Bible says you will not succeed by your own strength or your own power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Bow your heads with me this morning as I pray for you. Jesus, we have allowed food advertisements and artificial foods we have allowed the conveniences and the entertainments of life. Lord, in so many ways to shorten the years and the days that we can serve you. 
Lord, we have allowed habits and lifestyles that may be pleasurable but are risky to cut decades off of our lives. Remind us this morning that we belong to you and that one day each and every one of us are going to stand in your presence, not just Christians, but every man, woman, every child, Lord, is going to stand in your presence and drop to their knees and confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm asking you today, not just for the goal setters, but for the problem solvers. Would you help us to think prayerfully through these five areas of our life? Our faith, increase our faith. Our focus, having put our hands to the plow, we're not looking back. Our friends, greater love hath no one than this, but they lay down their life for a friend. Lord, the food that we eat, for haven't you said that you would make the food you've created for us and given to us to be health and healing to our bones and to our muscles and even to the marrow of our bones. And Father, to our families so that we can love them and encourage and teach and train the younger and care for the aged. Grant us power to do this in Jesus' name. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this is about so much more than your physical health. But your faith, your focus in life, this is about your spiritual health. This is why we said at the very beginning, this is about spiritual goals. So I'm asking you, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, or if you've slipped away from your commitment to Jesus, as I prayed with someone just recently who said, Pastor, I just, I've just backslid. That means he wandered away from his faith. I'm asking you right now, would you commit your life to Jesus? and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Won't you pray with me? You and I will pray together. And if you're in this building or if you're watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, it wasn't easy, but I understand now that it was love that you sent Christ to take my sins And like so many in the Bible, I ask you today, forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to come and dwell within me and make me a new man or a new woman. And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And while every head is bowed, if you prayed that with me, would you just lift up your hand? God bless you. God bless you and you and you. God bless this couple. Hallelujah. You can put them down. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you. 
If you're online, would you let us know? Just this information should be coming up on the screen. But if not, you can just text me. There it is. Just let us know you've given your heart to Jesus. I have something I'd love to give you. Church, can we just give the Lord a hand of praise for what he's done here today? Hallelujah. We're going to worship the Lord now with our tithes and offerings. And after that, there will be a brief video that comes up. So if you'd be seated, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And let's bring cheerfully, let's bring happily our, goal, our, our goals. Let's bring our tithes and let's bring our offerings to the Lord today. And let's ask him to take and use them for his blessing. Would you lift your gifts up to the Lord? I've already given electronically. Let's just lift them up to him. Father, thank you. Thank you for making us givers. Thank you for trusting us to be good stewards. Thank you not only for the bodies you've loaned us, but for the money you've loaned us. And so, God, we give today out of a cheerful heart. And we give today and we pray that you would take our gifts and you would multiply them like you did a little boy's lunch so that others may know. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you as you give today.